Not working. Check, 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 check. Maybe I can just use the handheld. Okay, everybody, we're going we're gonna to pull back together from our break. So come on in, grab a seat. Well, welcome. Uh, welcome back from the break. My name is Bjorn Anderson, and uh, I'm on the leadership team here. And over the last few weeks, as a, uh, our teaching series, we've been walking through uh, encounters with Jesus. And so in the few weeks leading up to Easter, we looked at people who encountered Jesus in the, in the pages of the scriptures uh, on his way to the cross. We looked at Zacchaeus. We looked at blind men who are a blind man who was healed. We looked at people who encountered Jesus as he walked into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday in the triumphal entry. And then in the weeks since Easter, following Easter, we have been looking at people who have encountered Jesus after his resurrection, both in the stories of scripture and also in the stories of our own lives of people here in our Be Free Church community. Two weeks ago, Sam talked about um, Mary Magdalene's encounter with Jesus after his resurrection, the first uh, encounter that Jesus had that we, we see recorded in, in, in the pages of Scripture. And what I loved about Sam's message that day, talking about Mary Magdalene in John 20, was we, we kind of learned that Mary was, was a real person. We heard a little bit about her past and her story and what brought her to that encounter that she had with Jesus. And I think part of what makes... Um, life compelling is people's stories. I think it's part of why a lot of people watch a lot of Netflix is because they get sucked into a story that maybe seems more interesting than their own life. Um, and so we enjoy and resonate with people's stories. And the people that, that like we read about in scripture were real people. Mary Magdalene had seven demons. She lived this crazy life. And then she encountered Jesus in, in great fear um, when he rose from the dead and he called her by name and it was beautiful. I think of a, a story where Jesus healed uh, a, a woman with a bleeding condition. It's in Mark 5. It's a, a fairly well-known passage. But after he heals her, he looks around in the crowd for her. And she comes, and in, in the scriptures tell us that she falls at his feet and told him the whole truth. And one translation says she told him her whole story. This was a woman who had spent 12 years going to doctors, trying to get better from this horrible medical condition, probably shunned and an outcast from her society, and she told Jesus her whole story, which is kind of neat. 
So the opportunity to hear people's stories in the pages of scripture and in the lives of people in our church is very powerful. We also realize that when Jesus encounters someone's life and works in our lives, he doesn't just save us from something, from sin. He saves us to something. Meaning like if you're drowning and someone pulls you out of a lake, you're not just saved from drowning. You're saved to live, to breathe, to live this beautiful life. And we see it in Mary Magdalene. She's encounters Jesus, and he says, go back and tell people about me. She becomes the first evangelist, really the first prophet, the first uh, bringer of the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead. And last week, we heard from Graham and Abby Allen, and they used this scripture, Ephesians 2.10, which says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared for us. So God saved all of us sort of to, to do things. So in addition to the pages of scripture, we've heard from people uh, in our congregation. We heard from Josh Shoemaker and Anne Marie Wechter a few years ago, and we heard how Jesus met them and rescued them and has saved them uh, to, to great things and, and also hard things, honestly. And then we heard from Graham and Abby Allen last week so beautifully and wonderfully how God has really um, gifted them and given them a passion for music and has met them and is using that gift for them to create works of music that are beautiful and bring the love of Jesus and bring beauty into this world. So today we're going to continue that and we're going to hear from two more folks from our Be Free Church community a little bit about how they encountered Jesus. So we're going to hear from Anna Teal. Anna and her husband Luke and four kids have been a part of Be Free for um, many years and we're going to hear from um, John Maravich, John and uh, his wife Jess, and their three kids have also been a part of Be Free for many years. So John and Anna, why don't you come on up? We can give them a round of applause as they come up. Welcome, welcome, nice to see you. Um, hello, thanks for coming up and, and thanks for, for sharing. Um, and so we'll just, we'll just kind of jump right into it here, and um, we'll, we'll start with you, Anna, um, and we're just going to kind of ask three questions, basically, like, tell us a little bit about your life, um, like, previous to how, like, coming to really encounter Jesus, then talk about how you did come to encounter Christ and what your life has been like since then. So, thank you so much for, for, for being up here and being willing to share your story um, and how Jesus has met you. So, Anna, tell us a little bit about just, like, your life sort of leading up to um, how you came to encounter Christ. Yeah, um, I brought notes because I'm a little nervous and I tend to lose my train of thought. So, um, yeah, but I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are um, really wonderful. Their faith is very real and I just watched that lived out um, in their lives and in like in my family growing up. Um, I'm the oldest of nine, and we were all homeschooled, so we spent a lot of time like in our church and at home, and those were really the big influences in my life. Um, so I knew about Jesus, and I loved Jesus, and I wanted to serve Jesus, and I think I would have said that I was a Christian. Um, the summer that I was 12, I remember spending a lot of time just sort of wrestling through doubts of like, do I really believe this? Is this really true? Is this something that I can base my life on? And I, I felt like it was. Um, and I, I think for a long time I would have said that was the point at which I became a Christian. But I don't think I really fully 
understood that at that point. Um, I just always had this sense that something was missing. Like I felt like I could never measure up to the expectations that I had of myself or that I felt like my church or my family had of me um, or I felt like what God had of me really. Um, I, I felt like I um, just was never good enough and I, I knew that God loved me but I also sort of had this feeling that like he was probably a little disappointed in me because I wasn't as good of a Christian or you know, um, in, you know, whatever it, it might be. Um, so, you know, I had this really amazing family, this really amazing church. I knew the truth, and I, I felt like I believed it, but um, I never really felt like I could even express those fears and those doubts to people because I was concerned, you know, of what they would think of me, and I, um, I didn't really know how to talk about that. Um, so when I graduated from high school, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to college. And um, I had been on a couple of mission trips in high school. And I loved traveling. And I loved um, seeing God work in people's lives during that time. Um, and so I thought, maybe I will explore like missions. That would be cool. Um, so I made a couple plans. They fell through. A couple more plans fell through. But eventually, um, I ended up being accepted to this semester-long trip. Um, for young adults to New Delhi, India. And um, so I went on this trip with a team of 15. And when I got there, um, I was just in this new place. All these new people didn't have any sense of like security or anything to really hold on to. And I was trying so hard to like love Jesus and love these people and support my team and do all these things. And I just was so tired. I was just exhausted from trying so hard to like live up to all these expectations. Um, so that's kind of the backstory. Do you want me to yeah, continue? Or? Yeah, no, that's great. That's a great, that's a great start. Um, so hopefully this microphone might work at some point, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll keep just using this. So uh, um, thank you, Anna. Uh, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about your kind of like your, your backstory, uh, your, your early life, um, and what brought you up into um, your encounter with Jesus. All right, hey folks. Um, so, so starting with me, you kind of have to start with, with my parents. Um, any, any Serbians in the crowd? No? Tough crowd. Tough crowd, okay. Um, so I'm, I'm half Serbian, half Italian. Uh, my first kind of churchy thing that happened was uh, as a baby, I was baptized into the Serbian Orthodox Church, which is a small, very small, kind of like Greek Orthodox, a little bit like that, only a little different. Um, uh, as, as, part of, as part of growing up, church was kind of a cultural thing. Um, we spent a lot of time also moving around uh, as a family. So I was born in Pittsburgh, moved to Philadelphia, then London, then Detroit, and then kind of just moved around. So. Um, Another theme kind of growing up was just trying to figure out um, kind of my place and trying to find friends, trying to find, uh, you know, areas that I really enjoyed and, and trying to kind of navigate kind of some very strong personalities with my parents as well. Uh, being told a lot of things. Um, Italians and Serbians are, are, are a strong people um, as a group. So I think early on I was like, I don't know why I'm getting yelled at all the time why is everything such a big deal? <laughs> and, I was, and, and when I was six or seven, I think I, I came to the thought of like, I gotta figure something out. This, is, this doesn't seem like we need to be this aggressive all the time as we're going through, as we're going through life. Um, so 
really kind of poured myself into, into friendships, especially in Detroit, um, as uh, I was growing up like elementary, middle school time frame. Had a lot of good friends and a lot of good sports, so for a period of time I thought, okay, this is, this is great. Good friends, um, spent a lot of time kind of down the street with those folks, um, and, and kind of, it, it felt like a bit of a home situation. Um, there was, there was a kind of a big upheaval for me because um, bef right before eighth grade, we made another move, which was like the fourth move, leaving Detroit and going back to Philadelphia where I hadn't been since I was like six years old. Um, so that was like a total loss of sort of um, compass situation. Uh, and like your sports teams, your friends, just kind of gone. Um, we lived in a hotel for six months as well, which is a great way to meet friends um, in a new school, is to not even be in the school district and just live in a hotel and go to the happy hour every day, even though, you know, didn't, don't worry, Abby, didn't have the uh, adult drinks, just the sodas and stuff at the, uh, at the happy hour. So um, that was kind of the situation um, trying, right kind of before encountering Christ for, for real was, really just a total loss of compass situation. Always kind of being a good kid, but you know, that thing that I was holding on to, friends, sports, et cetera, and, and doing well in school, like just got turned on its head. So I was, I was just kind of out there. Thanks, John. You can lead our uh, Serbian outreach ministry too when we, when we get that going. So great, yeah. thanks, thanks, thanks for sharing. Um, so Anna, um, when we left you, you were in Delhi, India and uh, trying to kind of figure out your life there uh, and what God had for you. So talk a little bit about how, you, how Christ uh, met you and, and your encounter with Christ, even though uh, obviously uh, you've, you had heard about him growing up through your parents and your family and your church. Um, but talk a little bit about um, where you left off uh, when you arrived in India and, and how Christ encountered you. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I was, I was there for about three months, and I, I think about halfway through that time, um, yeah, I just kind of got to this point where I was like, I don't think I can keep doing all these things, um, and like, I don't know, I just sort of felt stuck, and, um, and like, I don't, I, I don't really know where to go from here. Um, and so I remember this one night when I went out, um, we'd had like a really big day, and um, most people were going to bed, and I went out onto the balcony of the apartment that we were all living in, and um, I just kind of was like, okay, God, I give up. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't think I can do it. Um, and at that moment, I really did feel like Jesus met me, um, and I just understood, like, as I was praying, I just understood in a way that I really didn't before ever. Um, like what Jesus had done for me when he died for me and that I didn't have to do anything and I didn't have to be good enough um, because he had done that work for me and it really didn't depend on me at all. Um, and I just felt so much freedom in that and like God was saying to me, you know, like he says in the Bible, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And I just felt like this amazing sense of rest and peace and just like joy in who Jesus was and what that meant for me. Um, and one of my friends from the, the program that I was in came out on the balcony at that point, and I remember we probably stayed out there like half the night just like talking and praying, and um, that was just a really huge 
um, moment for me and really the point when I think I first met Jesus. Thanks, Anna. Great reminder, too, of like how, you know, Christ saying, like, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are laboring are heavy laden, and um, we're all heavy laden by, by different things, you know, whether that's tragedy or like just our own expectations. So for Christ, for you to encounter Christ in that is powerful. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, so John, when we left you, you were an eighth grader at a, a hotel happy hour, uh, moving to Philadelphia, trying to figure out your life. So tell us a little bit about what happened um, as you moved back to Philadelphia and had sort of lost your compass, so to speak. Good way to, good way to describe where you were at and um, what happened next and how you encountered Christ. Yeah, so in a, in a new location, uh, trying to figure out how to fit in. Um, as as kind of like a shift, um, I, I tried to get into my old sports, which were basketball and soccer. Uh, played a little bit of those, but for me, I was just so aware that these were the wrong people. These weren't my friends that I'd grown up with playing. It was clear, like, those people were 800 miles away, and, and trying to fit in with those folks just, just kind of felt flat to me. Uh, so, so trying to kind of find my own path. Uh, ended up running cross-country. That was a big change. So started running uh, cross country and track and field um, and created uh, a little bit of a group of friends within that. Um, and one of those friends um, invited me to something called Young Life. Okay. So uh, this is where I'm gonna be, I'll be very on brand um, <laughs> associated with Young Life. Um, we um, ran together and, you know, it was always great to have somebody with a car. And he said, listen, uh, on, you know, Wednesday nights, uh, there's a bunch of people who go uh, to, to this thing called club, um, and that was a, a kind of big turning point for me, um, going to kind of that group that's so inclusive, so much fun going on, so many people. Um, I'd be lying if I said puberty wasn't a part of it as well. There were people that I wanted to talk to that were there um, as well. Young Life works that in as well um, with weekend retreats and things, so I was like, okay, this will be, be great. Um, and that really kind of blew me away with what a, a, a relational place would feel like. I should mention the Serbian church that I grew up with. Um, they spoke Serbian at church for singing and sermons. I don't speak Serbian. Um, neither did my parents. So it's a very, it was, it, that was kind of my past paradigm for what this would be like. I just, I just sat there. I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, I was an altar boy. I just stood there and held the cross thing. I, I, I was not clear with what was happening. I would occasionally go across carpets that were not supposed to be walked across and, and talk to about that um, in Serbian. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so Young Life was a very different atmosphere to what that is like. Um, uh, went to a fall weekend with those same uh, folks um, and and kind of had my first encounter with Jesus, he hearing uh, at Young Life, they call it kind of the sin talk and the cross talk, uh, first understanding who Jesus is, um, that he loves you, that he died for you, um, and that he wants to be with you. You know, it was, whew, it was special. It was big. Um, but I, if I'm being honest, it wasn't that special yet. Um, because I was always kind of a good kid, and I was friends with some other kids who were maybe a little bit further out from Christ, at, at least in my eyes, right? Like, maybe they had some more problems. And I was like, yeah, I, this seems to make sense, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up for this. 
but that guy really needs it. That guy over there really needs Jesus. I'm really glad he's here too. Um, so, so, so that's kind of uh, the starting point for me for, for kind of a more transformative situation. Um, and I can go into the more in-depth one now or I can pass it back to you if you want to. Yeah, we'll go back, we'll come back to that. So. Yeah, thanks, thanks John. Um, so Anna, like talk about, so that was obviously um, this, this encounter you're describing in India where you maybe felt like you were uh, experiencing what it was like to really have a relationship walk with Jesus uh, for the first time was was a while ago, <laughs> you know. And um, since then, like, it, I, I realized when we were talking this week, it's almost hard to say, like, like, well, what's Christ been doing in your life since then? Obviously, many, many things have happened in your life. Um, but if you were to look at your life in, like, even since that time, like, how do you see, you know, obviously Jesus doesn't, like, encounter us we say a prayer and start a relationship and then leave, like that's it. That's actually like you're, you're starting a marathon, not finishing a marathon at that point, you know? Um, so how, how would you describe um, just some themes, like or things that you would even say as you sit here right now today in May, 2022, like themes that God has worked in your life since that time? Yeah, um, that is a big question. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think, um, you know, as I've thought about it this the past week or so, um, I think that one of the, the ways that I have just um, continued to encounter Jesus is like his faithfulness to me and keeping me um, following him. Like there were a lot of transitions still in my life. Like after that time, I went to college, I transferred a couple of times, um, my parents moved like um, and there was a lot of time when I felt a little bit uprooted, um, but I really felt this sense of just like home and um, the truth of Jesus. And I think that, um, yeah, I've just, he's really kept me in that um, since that time, I think. Um, but a big theme that I've seen is the way that God uses like my own shortcomings and the hard things that happen in my life um, to like, he brings good out of those things, um, and I just feel like I've seen that over and over in my life, like, whether it's, like, when I first kind of encountered Jesus, I spent time, like, probably for the first time ever in my life, just kind of, like, confessing sin to people and receiving the grace of God, and understanding that, like, there's good and there's beauty that he brings out of that confession that might be uncomfortable for me, um, but also seeing just like different hard things that have happened over the course of my life um, since that time. And I feel like everything that happens, I can see later how God brings someone into my life who's experiencing that thing that I experienced. And I'm able to just kind of walk with them through that. Um, and so I've seen God bring a lot of good out of things that maybe in the moment I didn't think were good things. Um, and I, I think the other thing um, that really stands out to me, um, especially since becoming a parent, like being a parent is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I have seen that it's easy for me to go back to that, like the expectations that I have for myself of like, oh, I'm not doing enough. Like I'm not loving enough. I'm not, you know, what if I, what if I do something terrible and ruin my children, you know? And, uh, I, I just see that um, God has really met me in that and um, just continues to, like, I, I still have a hard time resting in him. But I, the difference that I feel now 
um, is that I just feel the Holy Spirit um, enabling me and I, I to have the patience. Um, he's equipping me to do what he's given me to do. And I think um, being able to see that I can rely on him and not rely on myself um, is just a big part of the way that he's continued to work in my life. Um, so yeah. Thanks, Anna. Appreciate appreciate that. And um, cool to hear, like, God's grace doesn't stop when we encounter him. Um, that's the very start of it. And it's like, it's new every morning. Um, so thanks for sharing a little bit about that. Um, John, talk a little bit about how, obviously, you 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 talked about how you en- encountered Christ for the first time, um, you know, at like a weekend retreat. And you maybe maybe officially started your journey with him uh, at that point. Uh, but what talk a little bit about uh, what happened from that point and some of the big themes of like how God, uh, J- Christ has continued to met, meet you and work in your life even again since that time many years ago when you were uh, in high school uh, on a Young Life retreat. All right, so um, floated along for kind of maybe uh, a year, year and a half within Young Life, kind of going to these events, uh, being engaged a little bit, but but, but there was kind of a, a, another kind of milestone transformational moment where we had somebody come back and share with our, our campaigners group at, at Young Life uh, who had graduated from my high school like maybe six, seven years prior. Somebody who I, who I never knew um, and, and had since gone on to be a Young Life leader. And he, this, this person uh, talked about legacy, talked about the idea of you're here in these, this, these chairs now because I loved other people, and those people loved other people, and those people loved you guys. And for me, that was transformative, right? It was, it was, um, it, it gave me a picture of like standing, uh, you know, one of the verses this person used was, was, you know, God looking for somebody to stand in the gap between himself and our friends. And that was, just totally wild. Um, the idea that um, he, we could partner with God and love people that were far from him and have that be a real legacy thing, right? Have that be kind of a permanent thing. And you're not watching the story, you're part of the story. So, <laughs> what the heck, man? You're doing great. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a big deal. So, um, lived the rest of my high school kind of with that in mind, and throughout, like, moving on to college and subsequently, you know, marriage, work, life after that, um, kind of entering into the fringes of folks, like the fringes of society, the fringes of, you know, people that you work with who no one talks to, um, even, like, taking hard jobs, like, taking hard jobs and weird jobs as opposed to jobs where you're up front and, and kind of a little bit more of the star, um, I always just embrace the idea of, like that person's alone in the cafeteria, let's go talk to them. Or nobody wants to work midnight shift, so I'll go figure out what that's about. Even though, you know, I'm I'm a chemical engineer, it's not a traditional path to go work night shift for years. But I I did that because it kind of needed to be done. Um, And what's, what's been, Interesting for me, as, as my life has gone on, I can see like the workplace changing where, you know, a, 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 like, a very hardcore leadership model might have been in like the 70s and 80s where just like the strong survive, you're kind of a dictatorial leadership situation. But I, I really feel a shift like 
in, in leadership where servant leadership and kind of almost like bordering on sacrificial love is like, that's kind of what folks respond to right now, even in the workplace. Um, my, my, my job right now, um, I, I work at, at Lonza Biologics in, in, in Portsmouth, and this is a big theme of like, the tone we try and set with even secular environments, like, it's not about you. It's not about you. And, 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 you know, that's been probably the theme for me um, is, is kind of getting shoulder to shoulder with folks who um, are a little bit out there and being alongside them, supporting folks, um, and, and being in, creating an environment where everybody can grow. Um, and especially, you know, work is a, is a very big theme for me. Really relying on Jesus through those very big decisions, right? Like, we're trying to figure out how to raise our kids. Uh, trying to figure out when to move, when not to move. Um, we've had a bunch of those conversations over the last 10 years that we've been in Dover. Um, so, so um, I feel like with the big decisions, it's much easier to focus up, talk to your Christian friends, pray a bunch, kind of understand whether you should do something left, right, or center. But, um, you know, for me, the little decisions are, are, are still a struggle all the time, right? Like, um, how am I going to use this half hour effectively as opposed to waste it, right? That's much more difficult for me than, oh, this big picture thing. That, 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 that stuff is much easier. Um, but um, it's, it's, it's kind of been a long journey from, you know, being certain that, that I was where Christ wanted as soon as I kind of made that high school decision, started loving on kids that were in, in my circle and, and also far out from me, um, and, and kind of trying to hold on to that as long as I can uh, in whatever that means as it translates to college and then, and, and then since working uh, after that point. Mm. Hey, thanks, John. Let's give both these guys a round of applause, huh? both these people a round of applause. So, um, and I'm gonna, you can stay up here. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray for you. And, um, you know, it's, it's neat to hear that, like, um, if you're the oldest of nine and you grew up in a Christian home and you find yourself in India, like Jesus wants to show up in your life, if you grew up in a church that spoke Serbian, I've literally never heard of anybody in my life growing up in a context like that before, but if you grew up in that and your family moves around and you enter high school as sort of this, like, directionless person like God meets you in that and then God meets you when you wake up with four kids and feel like you don't know if you can do it and God meets you when you're an engineer trying to like lead a team of people um, so like God God meets us in all these different circumstances and I was thinking of um, this passage is I'll, I'll pray for Anna and John here but for all of us um, this is a passage our former pastor Jamie used to read a lot uh, in the benediction, but he said this is in 1 Thessalonians 5, and it says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, um, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And it's neat to hear how God proved himself faithful to you, Anna. God proved himself faithful to you. John, um, and, and, and does to all of us. Um, I know that even this morning, like personally, that's a message that I need to hear. 
because um, I'm wondering if sometimes I wake up thinking, you going to be faithful again, God? I don't know. Um, but he, he has been um, and will continue to be. So let me pray for these folks. Um, and then after that, the worship team is going to come back up and sing, and then uh, we'll move into a time of communion um, after that. So uh, join me in prayer. Father, thank you so much um, that you're a God who, um, who showed up in this world. Uh, you wanted to show us how much you loved us, and so you, you put on skin, you put on flesh and bone. Uh, you were born to a virgin. Uh, you, you walked around and spent time with all kinds of people, and then you died a criminal's death uh, for our sin and then rose. And thank you that you show up in um, the lives of people like Anna and John and, uh, and each one of us sitting here in this room. And so I think of uh, each one of these folks uh, listening to this online, in this room, on a podcast, um, the fact that they're listening is a sign that you want to show up in their lives, um, whether for the first time or whether uh, anew today or tomorrow. Lord, we pray for Anna and commit her to you. We thank you for her and Luke. We thank you for um, their four kids. We thank you, Lord, for um, the ways that they lead in community group, the ways they lead and love uh, many people in this church. And we pray, Lord, that Anna would come to know you in a, in a fuller way, um, that you would continue to meet her when she feels uh, confident of your love or even when she feels um, like she's not measuring up. We pray, Lord, that, that she would see that, that you, Jesus, are the one who has measured up for her. And we pray that she would be empowered as a, as a mom, as a, a leader, as a, a person called to bring your kingdom uh, to her family and to, to the community of Dover around her. Lord, we commit John to you. We thank you for Jess, for their three kids. We thank you, Lord, um, for meeting him and encountering him. And we pray for him that uh, he would continue to, to seek you and you would meet him in life's big decisions, uh, whether that be uh, career or, or parenting and, uh, and also in the small decisions. Even tomorrow, we think of uh, many small decisions that, that John might face uh, in his work, in his personal life, and that, that you would encounter him there. And that that would be true for all of us, Lord, um, that, that you would continue to meet us. And uh, we thank you, Lord, as John shared, that you were the ultimate servant, that you washed people's feet, uh, that you didn't lead from a position of power, um, even though you had all of it, that you led from a position of great sacrifice and humility. And I pray that that would be true of all of us. Um, in our marriages, in our, in our families, in our work lives, in the things you have for us. And uh, so we thank you for these friends. We thank you for how you encounter us in, uh, in our lives and in our stories. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We'll uh, sing before the throne of God above. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest who 